0: Well, thank you, Pastor Bill, for having me this morning to share with you the Word of God and as well as some of the gospel work that we do in France and in Europe. I, uh, before we left, my family and I, we left for um, Paris. I used to serve at Ottawa Chinese Alliance Church right in Chinatown here uh, from 87 all the way till 96. And so before we left, actually, uh, uh, for France, I used to co-work with Pastor Bill uh, right in this city. And 20 years later, it's still Pastor Bill here. And uh, what a surprise. I, I thank God for Pastor Bill. And we used to have another Pastor Bill from uh, uh, um, the church down in Barhaven, um, Cedarview, and uh, now we only have one pastor, and the other pastor bill now all the way in Kanata. This morning, I would like to uh, first share with you the Word of God uh, taken from the passage uh, we have just read from the book of um, John 4, 13 to 19. Uh, this is a very familiar passage to most of us. You may have heard it many times. You may have read it, study upon it. And so we did not bother to read the early part of the story and the latter part of the story. So here we have John tells us that in the early part of the story, one day, Jesus, he had to head up north from the south Judea, and went up north to Galilee. And in verse 4, John tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, this is a very interesting phrase. Because in verse 9, John tells us that the Jews in Jesus' days, they do not what? associate with the Samaritans. So for Jesus to go up north from Judea, he did not need to go through Samaria. For him to do so, it would have been for him to break the Jewish law in his time. And yet, Jesus intentionally strategically, purposely, purposefully? My English, it's running out. <laughs> he deliberately goes through Samaria. Sometimes by doing mission work overseas or doing local our rich work in Ottawa City. There are times we need to take that extra step, that bold step, stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping out of the four walls of the church, even taking risk. See, for Jesus to do so, he would have to face criticism and even rejection by his peers or even the religious teachers of his time. And so we are told later on, around noontime, Jesus reached the town, and here John tells us Jesus became tired or weary. Or he even even may be thirsty and hungry. Because we are told in verse 7, he sent his 12 disciples to go to Chinatown to fetch him some dim sum. (laughs) Nispa? Chinatown. And so, I really enjoyed this beautiful description of our Lord Jesus, this humanly moment of our Lord. He was just like one of us, which is true, like the praise team just let us. Jesus, he was able to calm the raging sea. He was able to raise the dead, you know, Lazarus, you know, He was able to use five pieces of bread and two fish to feed more than 5,000 hungry men. And yet, our Lord, after walking for several hours during the morning, and now he became tired, hungry. I hope I'm trying not to be too (laughs) long-winded. today and thirsty. I never asked Pastor Bill how old he is. Uh, We actually were in the same institution back in the good old days in Regina. So I graduated uh, at CTS 1986, not too long ago, just just like yesterday. I, I can't believe it was like yesterday. And I saw Bill today. I said, He is still as young as he was 30-plus years ago. Uh, Just last year, I was promoted uh, to the Freedom 55 Club. (laughs) And so I never was and claimed that I'm a superman. After serving on the mission field for some years, I must admit, there are times that I feel physically, emotionally tired, drained, and thirsty. There is a contemporary term called compassion fatigue. Does it ring a bell? This particular term refers to those who are particularly serving in the healthcare or the social work area. Do we have any social workers here? You don't have to raise your hand. Doctors, nurses, psychologists, teachers, or even pastors. Elders, leaders of the church. So this group of people as they work in that particular field where they need to constantly care for others to a point where they hurt themselves. They don't have any more to give anymore. And they become Numb and desensitized. Compassion fatigue. When we first went to Paris in the mid-90s, even today, you would see there are many, many beggars on the streets beg for food, cigarettes, and money. And then I always feel like kind of like guilty if we don't give something. But after six months, one year, five years, ten years, compassion fatigue, I just walk by them. One eye open, one eye shut. You just don't care and numb, and you cannot, you're immune to their existence do we have any young believers here in our midst this morning that those who come to the lord for less than a year do we have mostly senior citizens here <laughs> but i did hear the good news next week we will, you will have some new uh, baptism okay in general Young believers, those who are newed in in Christ, they would all fired up and uh, they would open up the Bible as if you know they can read the entire Bible within one week. They would wish every 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 day, every night, there is a revival meeting at the church and they would come, they would participate in visitation team, short term missions and whatnot. And yet, after three, five, ten years down the road, and we would hit that compassion fatigue syndrome. You know, every Sunday, even the pews would recognize who we are. And we would prefer to be a bench warmer. Compassion fatigue. Yet we thank God that although Jesus was tired, thirsty perhaps, hungry for sure, yet we are told he intentionally, deliberately goes through Samaria, went inside, turned off his cell phone, cancelling his lunch appointment at Chinatown set his time aside for someone whom he intended to meet. And so we're told a woman came to draw water from the well. And we're all familiar with the story. And Jesus looked at her, and he said to her, will you give me a drink, lady? It was just a very natural simple request. Do you recall how did this woman reply to, back to her, to him? This group of young Asian kids on the third row. Do you recall? Because I'm Chinese, I pick on the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what, what did this woman reply? Re- re- reply back to our Lord? Not for... Word by word, just paraphrase it. Good for you. Come and talk to me just later on. I'm going to take him out for coffee. When you come to friends. This is exactly what Jesus, uh, what the women said. Are you crazy? You are a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan why would you ask me for a drink? You see, for this simple request from our Lord, he was actually crossing the racial and the gender boundary. It was a taboo. It was forbidden. You don't do that in public. A man talk to a woman, let alone a Jew talking to a Samaritan. And so how did Jesus reply when she said that? Your next friend there. <laughs> is, is, is he just your Facebook friend? <laughs> you, know, you think you guys can help him? Do you remember? It's not a tough question. You folks, young people can help your friend there? They're not your true friends, huh? Well, Jesus said, yeah. He said, don't get me wrong. Actually, if you knew the gift of God, remember that, and you know who it is that talked to you, instead, yeah, you would ask me for a drink, right? And I will give you the living water. Amen and this woman look at him flabbergasted like this guy is really out to lunch and she said are you kidding me you you look at the well the well is deep and you don't even have a bucket there you go You don't even have a bucket, let alone to give me water. Where can you give me this living water? You know, sometimes this is how we are as well. You know, when we come to church, uh, did we just collect offering? Did we? I don't remember. Yes, we did. Yes. I don't remember, a uh, was there a bag? No. Okay, I didn't see the bag passing. How did you guys do it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I played, yeah. You know, sometimes I look at the bag. It's almost like those who are begging for money on the street. I hate to say that. You know, as if God is in need. As if the church... Needs my donation. If I'm happy with God, this guy up there. I'll give him two loonies. But yet, if he didn't answer my prayer. I will teach him some color. I'll give him one loony this time. As if, when it comes to giving we are doing him a favor. You can't give me a drink. You don't even have a bucket. Sometimes when we serve or when we come and as if God is needs my help. You know, we go to this short-term team uh, sending them to doing short-term mission work. I'm indispensable. I'm the almighty one. Without my help, this team will not be able to accomplish anything. And Jesus would say to us, don't get me wrong. If you knew the gifts of God and you know who it is that talked to you, you would instead ask him, for the living water. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so in verse 13, we are told Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring water, of water welling up to everlasting life. Sitting in this air conditioned, comfortable sanctuary will not do justice to understand the, the, the dynamic between this woman and the and Jesus, you know, talk about water and living water maybe if I can ask Pastor Bill for permission, let's all go out to the parking lot just maybe for 10 minutes no umbrellas no fan no sunscreen no water just enjoy the sauna for 10 minutes under the not-so-hot Ottawa sun, (laughs) then we'll come back and kind of like read this text again. You see, in certain part of the country, of this world, water is a rare commodity, and it is precious, and very precious my daughter pascal she's going to turn 14 next week every time when she goes to take shower in paris so my wife or me we have to clock her she could just stand there for 15 minutes see Pascal, this is how she would consider water. All you need is turn on the faucet and water will just come naturally and hot or cold and it is free. So without knocking at her door, she would not come out for half an hour. And so here you have Jesus, talking to this woman, telling her, I can give you some kind of drink that would not only quench your thirst, you don't have to drink again. And bling, and suddenly that caught her attention. And so... she asked jesus i want this water now when sharing the gospel to others sometimes we are very eager that within 30 seconds or 3 minutes or after one visit that we want to see the result but it takes time for Jesus to go through Samaria, to sit down next to the well, to initiate a conversation with a woman. And up till now, this woman has no idea what our Lord is getting into. And so she asked for this living water. And what else did she say? She said, "I once I drink from it, not only I will not thirst again. What else did she say? Bingo, you're right. We often miss the second part. Once I drink from it, not only I, don't, I'm not, I won't be thirsty again, I don't have to go back to that well every day. How many times? Do you remember? Minimum once. Yes. How many times she has to travel back and forth each day? It's not a tricky question, you know. The Bible didn't say... But more than once, maybe three, four, who knows, times a day, as much as she's needed. Now, I think this is how she would carry the water those days. Either a vase on top of her head, and she would walk. And the, the water would feed the cattle for her to drink, to wash things, and to plant for plantation. Once the water is done, she has to walk back. Drawing water from the well, is it a fun thing for you? Of course not. It's tiring. It's mundane. It's boring. Sometimes, we would think likewise. You know, once we believe in Jesus... The next thing you know, you will be smooth sailing all the way. Your mom's cancer will be cured. You will get a promotion from your boss. Your kids will suddenly behave well at home. (laughs) Did you know what? My mom was a godly woman. And yet... She passed away with cancer last year. At the end of the story, we are told by John that this woman, in fact, believed that Jesus was the Messiah they had been waiting for. So does she need to go back the next day to draw water from that well? No? (laughs) Hallelujah. You sure? How about that young man over there? Do you think the day that she accepted Christ, believing Jesus, the next day that she needs to go back to that well to get water? Wow. That's a beautiful answer, too. If that is the case... I think we all want to believe in Jesus. So the next day, we don't have to work. You know, mom and dad will forever, you know, paying for us. Who wouldn't want that? Well, I think the reality is that the next day, that women has to go back to that world. How many times, let me ask this young man again, how many times she has to go back to the well? Do you know? Approximately. More than once, as much as she's needed. Who doesn't need to work tomorrow? Uh, Except those who are not working. (laughs) Except Pastor Bill, you're taking a day off tomorrow? Except those hallelujah and then you would ask so what's the difference between believing jesus and those who do not believe well you know what this woman at the end of the story we are told he would she would leave her bucket behind the well and she ran back to do what to share this new discovery that she found the Messiah. The difference is this. Those who believe in Jesus, yet, like my mother, she had cancer and she passed away. Yet all these life difficulties would become secondary. Amen? Because we know that. Jesus will walk with us. Everything else in life would become secondary. So don't get mixed up. Salvation and solving real-life difficulties are not the same. Don't mix the two together. And so, we move on. This is the million-dollar question that Jesus has been, st- a statement has been waiting for. Please, please, bring your husband along. That is a taboo. And so she said, I have no husband. Stop. Don't ask anymore. It's none of your business. This is a private, personal matter. You have no business to ask me anymore. And yet Jesus did not let go. And he said to her, you have had five. And the monsieur, whom you did not marry, but is living with you now. I remember once I shared this same passage in one of the Chinese churches in Europe. At the end of the service, a young lady came forward and she was no older than 25 years of age and with her head bowed, pretty embarrassed, and then she raised her hand up like this to me, do you know what is she trying to tell me? Very good. She, have, she has had five relationships with five different men. At that moment, I must admit, I did not know how to respond. And my heart stopped beating for five seconds. I could never imagine that our young people today between boys' and girls' relationship can be so messed up, can be so broken and hurtful. I thought these young people were brought up from the East Gate Alliance Church, from the Christian and Missionary Alliance of Canada. I thought these people would not exist within the four walls of our church. After all, we're in Ottawa. This is not Hollywood or Cannes in southern France. After all, we have Pastor Bill here, (laughs) Pastor George, Pastor Jacques, and we have all these good Sunday school teachers provided for them since day one. And yet, so many of our young people They are thirsty to be fair not only to our young people even to those who are married. Just this year I celebrated with my wife our 24th anniversary. Thank you. But to most of you this is like Kindergarten. <laughs> my dad, you know, with my mom, passed their 60th. Year. Pfft, this is peanuts. After 10, 20 years, there are many lonely individuals among the married couples, thirsty to be loved to thirsting for intimacy acceptance I sat this young woman down I said to her I said you know what there are no sins in this world that our Lord that are too great that our Lord Jesus cannot forgive Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. This is precious. This is the essence of the gospel. There's nothing too great. No, there are no such bad things that are too great that our Lord Jesus cannot forgive. As long as we are willing to repent, repentance It's like going from one direction, and now you make a U-turn. Amen? Simple as that. Coming back to our Lord Jesus. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Wow. The old has gone, and the new has come. And this is a message to each one of us. We can all have a second beginning from Christ. Those who are thirsty, we can come to him and he can quench our thirst. So the entire story, the main character is not about the women. It is actually about our Lord Jesus. He is the one that had to go through Samaria. He is the one that deliberately, purposely, strategically, taking risks, cancelling his lunch appointment just to reserve his time for this thirsty woman. He took the initiative talking to her and he never judged her, nor to embarrass, nor to humiliate her. He just accepted her as she is. And this is about grace. Sharing the gospel to others, it is just like sharing a glass of cold drink to those who are thirsty. So I want to show you some slides Am I okay with my time? Five to ten more minutes, very quickly. Next. This is my family. Um, My wife, uh, her name is Karen. She was born in Montreal, so her French is much more fluent than me. And our two girls, Noelle, 16, and Pascal. The wooden building behind us, that's our Chinatown. Alliance Church in Paris in the 13th, 13th arrondissement. So we are on a very narrow passage. Next. You recognize this flag? This is a EU flag. And originally, since actually before June, we had 28 member countries, and now we lost the UK, 27. So in Europe today, the next photo, here, it's one great United States. Within the EU, it has a population of close to 450 million. And between each country, like traveling from France to Spain, there's no border. And we have something called the Eurozone, one euro, single currency. Next. We have approximately, uh, I shouldn't say approximately, 27 Alliance churches in France, out of which, seven of which are Chinese ethnic churches. So this one is the one that you just saw in Chinatown. Next one. This is the second one, which is situated on the second floor, also in Chinatown. The third one, This one, this building uh, uh, has been inaugurated since uh, last year, and it's the largest one situated on the northeast of Paris. The fourth one. Next one. This is the fourth one. So now you have seen the four CNMA Chinese churches in Paris, and we have one in Martinique. Have you heard of the uh, outer province island Martinique is down south in the Caribbean Sea. And we also have another one in Guadeloupe. And then we're working on the third one on Saint-Martin. So it should be established uh, within next year. And then we also have one in La Reunion. Okay, next. Next. So here we, uh, I have a very dear colleague of mine uh, her name is Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. That's her name. Hello Kitty. <laughs> and so she is the director of this social center in the heart of Paris, Chinatown. There are approximately 400,000 to more than half a million Chinese living in Paris, And this is the only Chinese social center with the Christian background. So Hello Kitty is my dear colleague. And she has a great moving testimony of how she met the Lord. Before she met the Lord, she was literally a very unthinkable person. And now the Lord changes changes her. 180 degree difference. And so, she used to operate these illegal gambling centers. And now, she would counsel people not get into gambling. Praise God. And there are now lots of Chinese women who were working, standing on the streets as prostitutes in Paris. And so, Kitty is working closely helping these uh, ladies trying to help them get out of that trade so pray for Hello Kitty just remember Hello Kitty next one (laughs) so this is Belkacem Gurmouche he was here actually more than five years ago and he met with the, the Arabic speaking group here uh, Belkassam is a dear co-worker of ours. He is a native of Algeria. His wife is French. They have two lovely children. So we recruited Belkassam and supported him to finish his Bible school training in Paris. And now we supported him using him to reach out to the Muslims, the Arabic-speaking group in At the paris area belkazam speaks fluent arabic kabil french english and some german and so pray for belkazam god will use him effectively next next photo so because of belkazam and now we have one north african descent church joining the alliance in france so this group of believers they are all Kabil. They are the, the, the aboriginals of uh, North Africa and formerly Muslim believers. And now they have a church. Every Sunday, they have about 30, between 30 to 50 plus believers. And they joined the Alliance family two years ago. Next. This is how they worship. Next. And we have a pastoral staff between Paris and Amsterdam. We had our uh, uh, roundtable discussion. You recognize the logo. This church actually was first situated in the heart of the red light district, Amsterdam. And now they found a new building, and now God bless this church. It's one of the most vibrant alliance church in Netherlands. Your home country. <laughs> Next. You, s- you understand this language? This is Russian. It says, Jesus Jesus loves you. Hey, you folks speak Russian. It's good for you. Actually, it's given by the Chinese. So not only we are working south, uh, Western Europe, but we're also invited to reach out uh, to the Chinese in Russia, next one. So every May first day, of, first uh, of May, which is also a, a, a holiday, Labor Day weekend, for the the Russians, and we have a huge gospel camp sponsored by the local Chinese church in Moscow. Here you have a hundred, a four hundred and fifty plus participants, and one third of them are non-Christians, and more than half of them are overseas students. Next. We also reach out to the local farmers, hired the Chinese uh, doing the farming work in, Rus- in the outskirts of Moscow. Next. Look at these big boys. They're from northern China, went to Moscow as, as to further their studies. So here you have a breakdown of Chinese population in Europe, approximately 1.7 million. In Canada, we have approximately 1.5 million Chinese. Now, don't be scared, frightened by the Chinese. We're (laughs) nice guys. (laughs) I know I was in Toronto just uh, last week. You know, everywhere you go, you see Chinese everywhere. So don't be frightened by them. They're, They're nice people. But they need the Lord. Go on. So this is a breakdown of the populations in general of different European cities. Next. So not only we work a place in France. So France has become my springboard in Europe, Russia. But we also uh, uh, took teams down to North Africa and West Africa, Senegal. Next. Next. This is Casablanca. And behind us is the second largest mosque in the world. And after several mission short-term teams, you know what? Next. We founded the first North African Chinese church in Africa. Amen? Amen? Not our work, God's work. So now we have a faithful believers of 30 plus every Sunday. We meet in uh, an international Anglican church. Pray for them. We don't have any co-workers yet. Thanks. Do you know who she is? Not Hello Kitty. She's my daughter, (laughs) Noelle. Noelle just said that. She turned 16. And so, and the language behind her on the wall It's not French for sure, it's Arabic. It's not Chinese either. So Noelle would tell you she could read all the Arabic words on the wall. I need you guys to test her. We thank God, four years ago, my wife and I thought of, Noelle is very gifted in languages. Every Saturday we send two sisters to Chinese school to learn Chinese. Chinese. And then on Saturday afternoon, we sent Noelle to the best institute in Paris to learn Arabic. And after four years, and she is doing quite well, I must admit I cannot have the ability to learn another language. But that's not the end of the world. We have our young people, who can just master any language like that, just like those young people right there. And some of our youngsters who are sent out to the Sunday school class, pray for them so that God can use them, raise them up. They can do the next relay of mission work. So pray for Noel. It doesn't, doesn't mean that she's happily going to Arab, Arabic school every Saturday afternoon. She has had her struggles, so we have to bribe her uh, sometimes and pamper her, and sometimes we have to threaten her a little bit too. So pray that we will have the wisdom to encourage her, her studies. Next. And the middle one, the red striped shirt, is actually the pastor from Paris. He took a team two years ago to Senegal, Dhaka, not reaching out to the Chinese, but reaching out to the Senegalese. Uh, The team consists of 13 people. More than seven of them were young people, French-born Chinese, fluent in French, and they went to Senegal next Pastor Daniel look at him his french is not that great great but much better than mine and he speaks in french and translated in a local dialect next look at that next this is our young people leading the children singing and bible study time next next we thank God over the past 20 years with different assistance we were able to have now more than 26 Chinese alliance churches across Europe and the Middle East next a glass of cold drink coming back home exceptionally this, this summer is rather dry I heard but normally, we would have abundance of rain. And coming uh, back home to Canada, I see you know we all have the habit of bringing a cup here, a bottle here, and before I can finish this bottle, they chuck it, you know, just get a new one. That's how much water we get every day. Look at that. I cannot imagine This photo was taken in India. There are still people every day going to that well to get water. As we look outside of these four walls, there are still many who are thirsty. They are waiting for us to share with them a glass of cold drink. Pray for my family. We will be in Canada for the next month and a half until the end of August. And so pray for travel safety. Pray for my health. I'm getting older and get tired easily. And so pray for our spiritual and emotional health, well-being as well. Thank you and may God bless you.